And welcome back to another episode of the Guys with Feelings podcast, where two guys discuss the ideas, influences, epiphanies, and yes, the feelings that make them better men. <laughs> My name is Jamin Yi. And I'm Gabe Rose. And today we're going to start, as we always do, with a conversational potluck, where we'll bring two meaty or vegetarian topics to the table to explore in depth. And then we'll finish with our rapid fire quick picks, sharing the top three things we've each been recommending or obsessing over during the past month. But before we get to that, Gabe, how are you doing? Ah, I'm okay. I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm all right. I've been uh, been diving back back uh, headfirst into the world of online dating, and uh, oh, yeah, a fun I mean, world. I'm, no, it's not a fun world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reminded like how annoying it is. Like, just I don't know talking talking to people like when you can actually hear their voice, when you can read their facial expressions. You know, it's it's a fairly easy, natural thing for me. Um, but when you're trying to do it on a screen where you've never even met a person and you're trying to interpret a million things in a few words and it's just, it's frustrating, man. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do it in a, in a way that feels like authentic and good to me. Like, like in my mid twenties when I was really into online dating, um, you know, I flirted in, in a much more shallow, <laughs> shallow way, but it worked, you know, it got, it got a lot of results. Um, but it also attracted, you know, people to me that it wasn't like the exact kind of people I was looking for. And now I feel like I'm trying to figure out how to, how to flirt or, you know, chat online in a way that feels better to me and more, more authentic. But, um, but yeah, not, not getting as many results. So yeah, yeah. I've got to find somewhere that in between that sweet spot right in the middle. An, an ongoing journey, I'm sure. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'll I'll keep you and and our entire podcast. I'll <laughs> follow your dating life <laughs> on my late on my love time. Life. Yeah, <laughs> we just turn the whole podcast into that. Just monthly exactly. updates. I am. I'm. I'm very happy to report that that I have been on one online date in my life pre meeting Sarah, and I'm very glad I did that. So at least I have like the satisfaction of knowing like I did one. Like it would feel yeah. weird like to be of our generation and not have ever done a single online date. So Yeah, yeah. You did one, man. You I it did counts. One. You you Didn't did it. Go that you well. It was sort online of boring. Dating. It wasn't a good match at all, but you know, yeah. It happened. And then your next date was your last one. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Go figure. Um yeah, what's what's going on in, in your world? Oh man. Um bunch of stuff. I mean I feel like the the big ongoing through line in my life is is sarah and i still trying to train our dog crazy yeah. Ziggy, uh oh, which we've Ziggy. talked about in this podcast yeah. at least once but yeah it's, that's been we've gotten some like good results recently we've, we've still been working that trainer that we talked about mm -hmm. uh, i think on the last show or the show before um and yeah like been actually like seeing like really positive movement over the last week or two so you know, it's an ongoing struggle. <laughs> yeah, well, we can we can turn that into into its own whole podcast. Yeah, yeah right. We'll have the Jamie Yee dating hour and <laughs> the Game Bros dog minute. <laughs> That'll be like when when guys with feelings gets like big enough that like we like we have all this like interpersonal tension and it like blows up and we like split off into our separate solo careers. Exactly. Like that's what the solo careers will be. Exactly. After all the drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that'll be fun. Look forward to that in the next you yeah know, six to nine months. Yeah, I can't wait. Awesome. <laughs> well, with that, uh, let's get right into the conversational potluck. Gabe, uh, what are you bringing to the table today? 
Yeah, so um, that's something I, w- I want to talk about a little bit that I think is um, something a lot of people have experienced. So it was my birthday, I think, two weeks ago-ish. Um, yeah, two weeks ago. Um, and uh, it's turning 31. And I had an experience that I think a lot of people have, which is like, it was a little bit of a hard weekend. And I, I think what I had was was a case of the birthday blues. Um, yep. Not sure what the exact diagnosis of that is, but but I think I can self-diagnose myself with with. Uh, a, a, you know, not even a mild, I'd say like a moderate case of the of the birthday blues. And it was weird, man. So like, you know, like yeah. I drove up to the Bay Area to get to spend some time with you and like other like really close friends and family. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. And like, I, I purposefully mm-hmm. really like didn't plan much because, you know, I didn't want to like create all these like expectations and like pressure on oh your birthday it's supposed to be a certain way or a certain level of awesomeness i'm like hey i'll just like drive up there and we'll just play it by ear and we'll just sort of like uh-huh. see what happens and hang and and it'll be super chill and lo-fi and like that's what i want um but then like i just found like throughout the weekend i found myself like putting all these expectations on the experience which was the whole point was to avoid that and sort of like just thinking like taking my intentionally designed like chill birthday weekend and thinking like, Oh, like it's my birthday. Shouldn't this be like a certain level of awesome or shouldn't we be doing something Mm. cool? Or shouldn't it like feel a certain way? And yeah, man, it was just like frustrating. And I I could watch myself doing this and I could see that it was just like this random, like not helpful or like mentally healthy, like expectation that I was like adopting from society for no reason. But I don't know. I just sort of couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. And I wasn't really sure like how to avoid it then. And, I know. I'm not really sure how to avoid it in the future. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the birthday blues is, is definitely a thing. I mean, it's it's a it's a phrase <laughs> that you you hear. I mean, it's a phrase, right? People, it's people definitely know what it's like. Um, I definitely had a pretty big case of the birthday blues last year for 30 for my 3L. Mm. Um, so I, I know what that's like. Um, are, I'm curious. Like, do you think that? It, like were there certain factors like why why the bir- birthday why is it the birthday blues are there certain factors going in do you think it's like mainly the expectation or is there other things going on yeah i think it's like i don't know my two cents would be like largely from my own experience like largely like the expectation thing i think like mm-hmm. it was funny like even like when i was like uh I was like checking. We went to buy some stuff to make like dinner for like whatever the seven or eight of us that were hanging, and like I was at like the checkout line at the grocery store, and like you know I was already like struggling with this and in sort of like a weird mood, and and the checkout guy Sarah said something to the checkout guy about like oh like it's Gabe's birthday, and he's like oh awesome like what are you doing? And I was like oh nothing, <laughs> just sort of like chill, we're just gonna hang. And he's like what do you mean? It's your birthday, man. You gotta go crazy. <laughs> Even the grocery checkout store guy was just like <laughs> egging me on with this like cultural expectation of like you've got to go ham on your birthday, you know? And right, right. Yeah, I, I think from my perspective, like it, it was just so interesting to me that even even when I went into it intentionally, really wanting to try to avoid like the, playing the expectations game, like I still couldn't mm-hmm. escape it. And I think like the the cultural gravity of that is just I don't know. At least for me, and and I, I imagine for other people, is just is really strong. And so I don't know, I'm thinking like, should, 
in future years should I try actually just like leaning into it and just saying, okay, if I'm going to feel this pressure on doing something that feels like big or awesome, whatever, should I just try to yeah. plan something that feels big or awesome and just like <laughs> not fight against this? I, I don't know sort of what the right, the right approach is. Yeah. Well, yeah, to me, the problem with these events that like, have a certain expectation of how they're supposed to be right like birthdays new years i think is like the other big example like it's it's a day where it's like oh it's supposed to be this awesome fucking explosion of greatness and whatever yeah um and i think the problem with with these things is like what if at that time because you know the when this day random day rolls around what if you're not in the mood what right. if you're feeling more like hibernating or you're going through a, a low or you're feeling really like raw and just need some time to yourself? Like, I think if it lines up where you're like, oh, like I want to fucking go ham and just have, you know, a crazy day, then then that's awesome. Like then that lines up with a cultural expectation, uh, you know, and those two just go hand in hand. Um, but when it doesn't line up, you just feel like, you feel even worse, right? Like yeah. maybe, maybe you're feeling kind of low and then now you're feeling low about feeling low because you're not supposed to. It's your birthday, right? You're supposed to feel magical and happy and all that stuff. Yeah. It's- yeah. And then like the unique, so I totally agree. And then I think the unique like aspect of your birthday is like, it's just you, you know, like, it's like <laughs> your own unique New Year's. Right. It's, like, it's, yeah, all, it's all focused this, like, on you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I don't know, like I assume like a lot of people feel the same way I do. It's like, it's sort of like there's something obviously nice in one sense, but then like uncomfortable in another sense about having like a day where there's so much focus on like you, you, you. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That always just feels sort of awkward to me. Totally. And I think sometimes birthdays or a lot of times birthdays can be they're they're almost like a representation of you, you know, like not just I feel like socially sometimes like you kind of feel like, oh, like my birthday has to kind of like show you know, like how awesome my, my life is, you know? Um, but not just that, like, I think even to yourself, like we use birthdays as a barometer of like, how well is my life going right now? Yeah, You know, yeah. like this one random day in the whole year, we just put all this expectation for that to be some sort of measurement of like how, how well I'm living my life. Um, yeah. Just a lot of pressure to put on one day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I would, yeah, I would argue just an inaccurate measurement. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, picking like one random day out of 365. Yeah, putting so much pressure on it. I I do. It's interesting. So I have this like sort of I had like one of those experiences where birthday was a barometer and the barometer is really bad. But I actually have like a positive (laughs) association with it like now, like a few years out, which was like my 25th birthday. Um, Uh And like it was uh, it was a weird one. It was like I just had like I threw a party at my place and like probably like 30, 40 people over. It was like a lot. It was like a objectively sort of like fun party. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of drinking, whatever. It was just like a fun, like good vibe. But um, it was weird. Like I remember after everyone left, I sort of had this like, it felt a little like empty. And I sort of realized that like, you know, there's a lot of people there that I was like friends with, like sort of as like peripheral friends and really good people, nice people that I liked. But none of those were people that I actually felt like super close with you know like Mm -hmm. like i realized like none of the people at the party were people that i would like just call on my own on like a friday night be like hey like the two of us let's just kick it let's just do something like it wasn't like they weren't really like those type of friends and 
it was sort of like an interesting check-in where I was like, oh, like I don't actually have that level of community right now, like in my life in LA or those sorts of people in my life in LA. Um, and that was actually wound up being, I think like a, that was like a hard realization, but it actually wound mm-hmm. up being like a, a spur for me to really mm-hmm. like get out and try to change things, which I think was then like that year actually in part, cause like we went to Burning Man for the first time together and right. in part cause a lot of other changes, like that really did like a lot of change resulted from that. So yeah. I don't know, like there, there can be value obviously in sort of like hitting some of those downs and realizing it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I still, I, not not every birthday blues situation, I think, like, leads to, like, a positive upswing like that. Yeah. I, I will say, though, it's pretty interesting, like, you referencing your 25th birthday. Um, I mean, your 31st birthday felt like actually the polar opposite of that. Like, yeah, it wasn't, like, true. this big, bombastic, whatever, affair with, like, tons of people. It was, like, what, maybe, like, seven of us? Um, but it was, like... I would say like all your closest friends and family like in one room and like, yeah, we didn't do anything crazy. It was very chill, but like, I almost feel like in some ways it was like the opposite of, of that 25th birthday where it was like, Oh, we're not doing anything flashy or showy, nothing we can really post on Facebook, you know, and impress people with, but you were surrounded by all these people who like really cared about you and loved you. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I think there's something kind of beautiful about that as well a little bookend you know yeah 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 and that's like that's exactly what i wanted and i really liked that about it which is why it was weird for me that it still wound up being hard i was like what's this is yeah yeah this is what i'm looking for this is what i want i, I guess yeah for me it just really showed that probably like even with even with like intentionality around like getting away from the like cultural expectations it was still it was still tough to do yeah yeah it really is birthday yeah birthdays are just just kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> that is the guys with feelings conclusion on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't and don't use it as a barometer to judge your life because it's one day out of three sixty five in a year. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. Well, and but, if, if if anyone out there has any strategies for how they've dealt with this, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Shoot us an email, text us, whatever. Let, let us know, please. Yeah. Um, cool, awesome. Well, uh, Jamin, what is your uh, potluck dish for the month? Oh, man, I feel like I've been waiting a decade to be able to to definitively say this. And on this podcast today, wow. I am I am saying these words. I am I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Oh, oh, Whatever get ready. Game. <laughs> but um, basically, uh, yeah, I have finally, finally, after decades of struggling with with like trying to write um, I finally made it an enjoyable and effortless habit. Wow. For the last few months, um, I've been writing every single day and it hasn't been stressful. It's actually been fun. Um, and in that time I've produced, I think three blog posts and there's another one about to come out. Um, and I've done a, also a shit ton of journaling and just own writing for myself. Um, and yeah, I'm just I'm just struck at how for the first time in my life it's been effortless and 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 easy. Um and yeah, I I don't know. You know, you know my struggle with writing, like it's just I never thought I'd actually make it to this place. Dude, that's a big deal. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It feels good to say it to to proclaim it from the mountaintop. So and so, okay, so it's been a few months now. You've been in a rhythm of daily writing. Like, so after 10 years of trying, last few months you found some 
some traction here for the first time ever. So like obvious question is like, what, what changed, what shifted? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess just to give the listeners an idea of like my epic struggle with writing, but I've like always felt, you know, like that, I that I wanted to like write and share my experiences and things I've learned and just kind of put it out into the world. But for some reason, that's always been like the most difficult thing in the world for me to do, you know, like, uh, I think on a vulnerability level, like it was super scary for me to like put something out there. But more than that, like I would sit down to write and let's, you know, let's say I would write, like I had an experience, like, um, my year living in Kauai and like, I learned a lot of awesome things. I'm like, cool. I want to write about some of these uh, thoughts on Kauai. And I would sit down to write this blog post and it would be so painful. I'd spend like hours and hours and hours for like weeks on end, just staring at a blank screen, trying to get something out, hating everything I was writing. Like it was just torturous. And like after like a month of doing that, I would finally get something out and I would hate it. And it would be so it, the the whole, you know, thing would have been so exhaustive. I just like wouldn't want to do writing again for like another year. And, and then like, I tried again. And what was happening that. there? Like, why did you hate it? What were the specific like thoughts or feelings that were frustrating? Yeah, it was like, it was very much this mentality. Like I need to like brute force this out of me, you know, like, mm-hmm. and it was like that, it was like that kind of like that mentality, I think is very popular in our culture, but it's like, just do it, just fucking do it. You know, like. I was just like, okay, like I got to write this thing. I just need to sit my ass down and just force myself to churn this out. Um, But it just didn't work. And I always convinced myself is because I was a bad writer or I was not gifted at it. I was like, oh, these other natural writers like this, this flows out easily. But I think my experience the past few months has just shown me that I was just approaching it the wrong way. Okay. So how, how, what like specific things have you been doing? Like how have you been approaching it now that sort of helped to perpetuate and then sustain this shift? Yeah. So it's, it's a few things that coming together. Um, I would say the, the main piece is that um, I just made a super la- low barrier to entry. Like for me, instead of like trying to write a post and spend like, you know, hours and hours for a week trying to force something out, I just do 30 minutes of writing a day. And I'm not even that strict about it. You know, like I usually do Monday through Friday, I'll do 30 minutes a day. Um, Usually like after I work out and my endorphins are flowing, I'll just sit down and just do 30 minutes. Um, But sometimes if I miss a day, I don't beat myself up about it. I'm like really gentle about it. Um, And it's like a super low barrier of entry that I'm never dreading it. I'm like 30 minutes, dude, I could crap that out. Like whatever, you know? Um, So I just keep doing it. And like this momentum has kind of built, you know, mm-hmm. it's been, yeah. And um, yeah. And I think as a, a part of that, like in doing the 30 minutes, I think this is actually really important, but it used to be that I would write so that I could write like a super amazing post, like write a super amazing article that would blow people's minds open or something. Um, but these days I actually, I just think of it more as I'm going to spend 30 minutes exploring writing and that's it. Like exploring my relationship with creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's more process focused rather than, I don't know, product focused, like mm-hmm. goal oriented. Um, and it's so much nicer. It's taken so much pressure off of me. Um, like if I'm having a bad writing day where like, I can't really get anything out. Like actually it was a success because the goal wasn't to write something. It was actually just to write. 
it was yeah, yeah. to explore writing. Um, yeah, uh, I think another part of that that uh, was pretty helpful is like, since the goal is just to explore the writing process, like if I didn't have anything to write, if I was feeling stuck, I would I would just journal. And like mm-hmm. my journaling was just a fallback if I didn't, if I like, I couldn't move the ball forward in any other way. Um, and I don't know, that was super productive also. Like yeah. it was really great to just spend, you know, sometimes just spend 30 minutes a day, just like kind of writing my thoughts out, just thinking aloud, pontificating about, <laughs> about how difficult the writing process was and things like that. Um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. Okay, and what what percentage of the time or what percentage of days like would you ballpark that you're writing for maybe a public audience versus just journaling for yourself? Um man, so in the beginning when I when I when I'm trying to select which topic to do and like what to write about, that's like 80% journaling <laughs> or sometimes 100% like yeah. I'm just sitting there and like if you read my journal, it would be like I don't know what to write about. I don't know what to write about. What should I do? Why is this so difficult? I can't do this. And do you, I'm, I'm just kind of doing a stream of consciousness. Do you like sort of journal with like the rule? You just have to keep writing. Like you not just keep strictly moving. But not ish. strictly, but, but ish. Like I, I yeah. like to think of it more as like, I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. So my, my thoughts are just flying out there. And then I've done this enough times that I'm starting to get to know the pattern. Like I'll do that. And I'll think I have nothing important to say. Like there's nothing that I can write about. And then I'll end up like some one topic will kind of get a little bit like an inkling of, of enjoy, like excitement. And I'll just start to play with it. Right. It's getting it's low pressure. I'm like, oh, let me explore this. Let me just like write out some ideas. Let me play with it. And then in just little chunks of 30 minutes a day, usually a few days in, like it'll start coming together and it'll start to form. And I'll be like and I'll start getting excited about it. I'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, actually, there's like some things I want to say and like new ideas that I didn't even know were there will c- pop up. And then literally just 30 minutes a day, chunk by chunk, after like a few weeks, maybe even just one or two weeks, I'll have like a whole finished blog post that I'm actually like really proud of. Yep. Um, Yeah. Effortless. That's awesome. So like, A, obviously, congratulations. Very excited about this. Uh, (laughs) Also jealous because like also been a goal of mine. I think not to the same extent as you, but like something (laughs) I struggle with, like I think a lot of people. Um, So I feel like some people are listening to this and saying, oh man, like I too have always wanted to write more. So like, this is great. Maybe I'll try this approach, et cetera. Other people probably listen to this being like, huh, I've never really thought about like writing more as a goal. Like, why would that be a goal? So like curious, like through that lens, like what, like why was writing regularly important to you? And like, what benefits do you feel like it's adding to your life now that you're able to successfully do it on a daily basis? Yeah, for me, um, for some reason, I've always felt a pull to- towards writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I think it may be because I spent so much of my life like reading like self-help books or spiritual books or like anything that basically I was taking what you know these authors had learned and like and was learning from that. And there was a part of me that actually wanted to kind of like do the same, like pay it forward, you know. Mm. Um, so there's just always something in me that was always driven to like kind of putting down like things I've learned and stuff mm, and expressing yeah, them. Yeah. Um, but I think for anyone who doesn't even have that inclination, like writing is hugely helpful because it's not, it's not really actually about the skill of writing is not actually just helpful for like writing a book or writing a, a blog post. Like 
it's just the skill of like organizing your thoughts and yeah. like and expressing them in a way that uh, someone else who's not in your brain can like understand them. Yeah. Um, it's basically communication and self-expression. And I think, I don't know, I think that that would be helpful to, to anybody like to, to be able to, and most importantly for yourself, like yeah. I talk about journaling a lot and I think journaling is one of the most important things and one of the most therapeutic things that a human being can do. Um, and really what it is, is just like taking these thoughts that are just swimming around chaotically in your head and just putting them down onto paper, onto a screen where you can just see them kind of, you know, a little objectively, like with a little bit of distance and like, and, uh, and build on these thoughts and, and let the thoughts grow. It's, yeah. I think it improves your ability to actually think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So I, I never really thought about like writing more as a goal until I started like dipping my toe a little bit into like mindfulness and meditation and just like reading some books about it and seeing like how, how often like people talked about journaling as a thing that like they really recommended for like, just like self-awareness and like, and sort of processing like challenging experiences and feelings. Um, and there's like a lot of really amazing research that people have done where just like they've had people do like four minutes of journaling a day for like two months and seen like measurable improvements in happiness. And so like, I, I've sort of like periodically like, tried it and then sort of fallen off the wagon and then tried it again. And I'm always amazed like at when I sit down to journal, maybe just cause I'm like in a period where I'm just trying to do it regularly or daily or because I'm like, okay, I've really hit like a wall. with like X, Y, Z emotional issue that I'm dealing with. Like I have Mm -hmm. to sit down and journal about this. I'm always amazed at the stuff that comes out. It's like, it's bizarre to me that if you just start writing like stream of conscious, like after five or 10 minutes, like, you'll have written out new insights that you didn't know before. It's so you like actually somehow learn things about yourself and it's a crazy mechanism, but like in my experience, it actually works like in a powerful way. And I think like, even if people aren't interested in writing for a public audience at all, I think like, yeah, I can't recommend at least like occasionally journaling enough because Mm -hmm. like the, the few times that I've done it here and there, it's, it's made a big impact on me. Yeah. Yeah. I actually like it's gotten so ingrained in me that I actually do it just for like, let's say like with my with my business, anytime I have to like make a decision and it it feels like a little like overwhelming or confusing um, instead of just like kind of letting it swim around in my head and just staying staying stuck in that confusion, I'll just start writing like directly in my to do list, like right next to that bullet point, I'll just start writing and I'll I'll just start thinking out loud. I'll be like, okay, do I want to go with this animator? Or this animator, like one costs more, but this guy has higher quality, whatever. Like, and um, and putting it just down just makes it um, and infinitely easier to like see what the situation is I'm actually dealing with. Um, and it just the problems end up just solving themselves when you actually just write about them. Yeah. I think it's kind of like the idea that um, anything that you just shine attention towards will end up starting to like evolve or change. Um, and I think writing is like a really easy way to do that with like any part of your life. It's just putting attention towards that part of your life and, and like, and putting it, pulling it out from your brain, you know, and like splatting it down so you can look at it. So, yeah. So I recommend it. I mean, anyone who, who has like kind of an inkling, like, Oh, like I would like to write more. Like this would be something I'd love to do. 
Man, I highly recommend you just do a little bit of writing each day. You know, if 30 minutes even sounds too much to you, just do like five or 10 minutes. Like I guarantee the most important thing is just building that momentum. If you do five minutes a day, that adds up. That's still way better than the zero you're doing right now, you know, in a whole whole year. Um, So yeah, I I highly recommend it. Yeah, no, I I definitely endorse that. I've, I've like, I've had like, periods recently where i've done like five minutes in the morning just of just like straight up journaling like on a daily basis it's made a big difference for me so definitely second yeah. recommendation awesome cool man yeah. well congrats yeah. again on your 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 decade <laughs> in the making accomplishment thank you thank you it feels it feels good to finally be at the top of this mountain <laughs> oh man <laughs> awesome. awesome well with that being said uh that brings us to the end of our conversational potluck and on to our rapid fire quick picks. Um, if you guys have any quick picks of your own, you know, send them to us at guyswithfeelingsshow at gmail.com and we'll share them here. So, Gabe, what's your first quick pick? So, my first quick pick is something I've got really irrationally excited about for the last month for whatever reason uh, making my own almond milk. Um, so, <laughs> yes. I, this is just so random, but there's just like a. So, like, I guess the high-level takeaway is, is it's delicious, easy to do, and, like, sort of all natural and, like, has no preservatives in it. So, like, I was, like, I mean, I was just, I think I was, like, so I recently got into, like, eating oatmeal. And so, like, Sarah and I will make, like, oatmeal in the morning for breakfast together. It used to be just her thing. And now I'm, like, oh, I'll try doing, like, oatmeal for breakfast. And one morning I was going to make oatmeal and I was going to put almond milk in it like store-bought almond milk and sarah was like i don't want the almond milk it has like a ton of preservatives in it and i looked at the label mm-hmm. and i was like oh yeah there's like seven things in here that i can't there's pronounce it's just so almond things, milk yeah. you know um and i was like oh well that's silly i think we could just make it and it would have no preservatives so whatever i just like google a little bit online and it's like super easy to do you just need a blender um which i think most people have already a strainer mm-hmm. uh which you can buy online for like 10 bucks and then almonds and water and that's it and it probably takes like five, you have to soak the almonds like uh-huh. for a day or two, but it literally, so there's some prep time, but it just takes like five minutes or 10 minutes once the almonds are soaked. It's like super easy, super straightforward. And it's like delicious. I mean, as you'd expect, you make it fresh at home. It tastes like better than the store-bought stuff. There's no preservatives oh, wow. and it. And it's just like a fun random thing to do. And you could put, I do it usually like totally unsweetened, but you can throw like dates or, you know, you can sort of do it however you want. The yeah. downside is it it lasts for shorter. Obviously, that's the whole point of the preservative. So <laughs> right. you got to like drink it within like you know four or five days. But um, yeah, we drink a lot of almond milk, so that's not that's not hard for us. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, what do you do with like the leftover like almond grit? Yeah, it's a good question. So I've been like saving most of it. And if you save it, so you can just like throw it in like oatmeal or smoothie if you want, or you can uh-huh. like, actually, this is happening right now in my oven as we speak, uh, baking <laughs> it on the like low, like on 200 degrees for two hours oh. to dry it out. And then it turns into almond flour. Um, and oh. then you can like freeze it and it'll stay for months and you can like bake shit with it. So literally this morning, <laughs> actually, Sarah and I made like almond flour pancakes um they didn't turn out very well so (laughs) so uh check back in next episode to see if we found a better almond flour pancake recipe but uh (laughs) hypothetically you should be able to make really delicious stuff with this almond flour awesome all right well next month we'll we'll have to check in and and see how that's going may may have to dedicate an entire podcast to (laughs) To the almond almond flour pancakes yeah (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's me. What's uh, what's on deck for you? All right, my number one is uh, is in my new favorite podcast, and I feel like I've been waiting for this podcast for a long time, and it's called The Daily by New- the New York Times. Um, it's such a cool podcast. It's basically like the most important news you need to know each day in just a quick, succinct 20 minutes. Um, but the thing I love about this podcast is the tone and the way they deliver this news. Like I've listened to other podcasts that try to do this and they just feel so dry, you know, like not to knock on NPR. I love NPR, but a little too NPR, you know, um, a little too stiff. Um, and, and then, you know, and then you have other podcasts that are just like way like overproduced and zany sound effects like radio lab and (laughs) yeah, it's a little too much. (laughs) I know. I know. I think I've come around to your side about Radio Lab. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. It does start to annoy me these days. Um, (laughs) But but the daily is like is somewhere in between the two. I mean, it's not very produced at all. It actually has this really wonderful conversational tone. And the cool thing is, he's calling the editors or and the the writers who are actually breaking these huge stories, like about Comey or you know or whatever else is going on. and he's talking to them directly and you're just hearing another person just explain to you like kind of like oh here's here are my thoughts on it here's what's important um and it's just conversational it's got like a really like like a engaging tone to it and at times they actually kind of do almost like little mini documentary stuff like um the last two days they did like a two-part thing where they went into like the fentanyl is that how you pronounce it the the fentanyl crisis which is the drug that's 50 times more powerful than heroin, which is so crazy, frightening. Um, and like, yeah, and she, and it was really cool. It was kind of like a mini documentary where they like talk to like a fentanyl, a fentanyl user, um, a cops who are dealing with it, like just people from all different angles, you, you know, New York times writer who's writing stories about it. And I just walked away like in, you know, just two days of like, you know, 20 minutes each, just like with this, such a greater understanding of it than I had. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I could not recommend it more at times. I feel like I've gotten emotional, like listening to some of the stories. Mm, wow. So yeah, I just, I will not, uh, go my day without listening to it. So nice. that's the, the daily by the New York times. I assume you just find it on like the podcast app or like, yeah, any sort you can of find it on the podcast app. Um, yeah, it's, it's everywhere, but yeah. it's really good. Dude, it's funny. You're literally the third person in the last 24 hours to tell me both about the daily and the specifically the fentanyl documentary. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like Cena, my brother-in-law was telling, he started listening to the daily because of your recommendation. He was telling me oh, about awesome. the fentanyl thing last night. Then I was talking to my dad this morning and he was telling me about it. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like, it seems like a really great podcast. I think, I think I should check it out. <laughs> Yes, yes, you should, and and you too, you trustworthy listeners, just get on it. Yep, awesome. All right, Gabe, what is your number two? Um, so this is a random one, but uh, (laughs) this Chrome extension I've been using recently—not a big like Chrome extension guy, but it's been super useful, and I actually think like most people would find like uses for it, and it's free. It's called Hunter. And it solves the problem of like being on a website and wanting to email someone, but they don't have their like for a different like organization or company or whatever, but like there's no email addresses listed on the website. It's this great Chrome extension where you just like plug it into Chrome and then you're on a website, you just click the button 
and it just pops up like a bunch of email addresses for different people at that company. And um, A, like if there's a specific person you're working, you're looking for, like decent chance it will give you their email address. But B, since like almost all companies and organizations use standard sort of naming conventions for their email, if you just know someone's name and know what the convention is of the company, which you always get out of the hunter, just clicking the hunter button, then you can just figure out their email address. So um, yeah, it's just like, there's just been like, I don't know, five or six times over the last month or two that I've just like wanted to be able to email someone and just this click of the button made it super easy. Um, so yeah, that's been, that's been great. I definitely recommend folks check it out if that sounds useful. Yeah. I actually have, uh, the app on my Chrome extension as well and, um, super useful. Um, it's actually like a really important tool for me with my business and like outreach and like trying to find new clients to, to reach out to. Um, and it just made everything so much easier. I used to have to go through this whole process and like Google around and try to find people's email addresses and kind of try to guess the naming structure. And Hunter is like cut out like at least like 10 minutes of that, you know, with each company I want to contact. So it's really cool, really useful. Um, I'll also recommend with that if you're trying to trying to reach people with email, um, check out MailTester. You should Google it. I think it might be www.mailtester.org. I'm not sure on that. I'll put it in the show notes, but it's an easy way to like check an email address before you email it. And it'll verify like most of the times it can verify if it's actual working email address. Um, So yeah, you know, useful. Oh, nice. Cool. Never heard of that. I will, I will definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, Cool, man. Well, uh, well, what's up? uh, What's up next for you? All right. So number two um, is related to my conversational potluck topic, but uh, one of the things that's made writing like a lot more fun and effortless for me is this writing app called Ulysses. And oh man, this is a this is a really awesome writing app. I, I've been looking a while for like to find the quote unquote like perfect writing app. I'm very perfectionistic <laughs> about things like this. Um, and you know, I tried a bunch of other stuff, Scrivener and uh, Zen, I think it was like some Zen writing thing, like a bunch of different things and nothing like quite had like the right combination of features for me, um, until I found this app and it's, uh, it's an app that's on Mac and iPhone and, and, uh, and like the, you know, all tablet devices. Um, it's beautiful. First of all, it's just got this like super clean and intuitive user interface, and I love just putting it in full screen mode and like, it's just completely distraction free. Like there's just like this white screen and the, the text looks so crisp. It's beautiful. Um, and not just that, but like, it's got a ton of features. It's super like, it's, it's like kind of an organizer for all your texts. Like the same way, like Evernote can hold a bunch of notes. Like this can actually hold like all of your writing in there and you can organize it with folders and tags and, and all sorts of stuff. Um, everything is synced on iCloud. So I also have the the iPhone app. So like I can immediately, like if I'm, if I'm waiting at the barbershop and I've got like 20 minutes to kill, I can just pick up uh, a blog post that I've been working on and, um, and kind of finish writing it there, which actually I just did that this past Friday. Nice. Um, and, and the right, the iOS app is really awesome as well. Um, it, it just makes writing like a joy, you know, like a breeze. Um, and uh, yeah, there's also other cool features like it uses Markdown, which is um, it's a formatting style where all of your formatting is actually done with uh, text and like characters. So, for example, if you're writing something on Microsoft Word and you want to bold something, you have to like 
highlight it and then, you know, find the bold button and click it and you have to stop typing. Um, but Markdown is where you can actually just do that in the text. So I think like for bold, you would just do two um, asterisks hmm. and then you type your word and then close it out with two asterisks. Um, for italics, you do like a like an underscore and you close a word out with the underscore and you do things like that. And so you just never have to take your hands off the keyboard and it's just like super fast. Um, and they make it look really good. Like when you, when you do it on screen, um, and it, you know, it also has, um, typewriter mode, which actually keeps like what you're writing, like just in the center of the screen, which is really nice. Right. Cause when you do like Microsoft word, you have to like keep scrolling like up and down to like, to like match your writing. Oh yeah. Um, right. Yeah. You can set writing goals. Like if you want to do a certain, like a word count of like 500 words a day, there'll be like a little, like cool little like graphic counter that'll show you like how far you are. Um, and you can immediately export it to like all sorts of stuff. Like you can go straight to a PDF ebook or an HTML for your blog, um, or directly to Medium or WordPress. Um, it's super cool, super functional. And did I mention it's beautiful? So <laughs> cool, man. they, uh, they need some help on the sales team. They, uh, yeah. they should call you. That's a, I am that's such a, a fan. Pitch. <laughs> yeah, I'm such a fan because like there's so many. Yeah, there's just so many writing apps out there, and none of them really clicked with me yeah you've you've tried all of them i think <laughs> yeah but yeah this is this is a keeper for sure that's awesome cool man i'll i'll uh that's another thing i will probably actually go <laughs> check out after the podcast <laughs> yeah it, it is a little expensive though like i think the app the mac app was like maybe like close to like 30 or 40 bucks and i think the iphone app was maybe 15 to 20 which is yeah. pricey but I mean, if you think about it, it's like a few cups of coffee. And, if, if it actually yeah. makes a difference in you writing, if you write twice as much with this, like, I mean, that's yeah. that's a pretty big, like, potential life happiness gain for totally compared to other things you'd spend $30 on. But yeah, yeah, totally, totally worth it. Cool. All right. Nice. So what is uh, your number three? Oh, man. So I, I think for my number three, I'm actually going to go with uh, with a book per my usual. I, yes. I feel like I should have one. One book an episode. Uh, so I've been reading this book recently that I've been like obsessed with, um, which I didn't expect to be so obsessed with it. So it's called Parting huh. the Waters. Uh, it's a book about the civil rights movement uh, by this guy Taylor Branch. It, it's from the. It was written in the eighties. It won a Pulitzer Prize. I think it's like widely acknowledged as like a seminal book or maybe even the seminal book. It's actually a trilogy mm -hmm. on the civil rights uh, movement and sort of like the tagline is America in the King Years. Um, wow. And I've, it's one of those books I've had on my shelf for like for a long time but uh it's a thousand pages like just the first volume <laughs> of the trilogy so i've like wow. i've been too intimidated and like uh it's probably it's like a history book so it's probably gonna be a bit of a slog and like slow yeah. to read i i don't know what it was that finally made me pick it up but eventually i was like okay i'm just gonna pick this book up and start and i started and it's it's like riveting in a way that i mean i like reading history books so i've read like uh -huh. a lot of history books that i find like interesting but it's man this the each of like the chapters of the story of like the civil rights movement are just like so like rich and engaged. it's like, I mean, I think folks out there like saw Selma, right? Like most mm -hmm. folks like saw that movie and like, I mean, just like that story, there's so many stories like Selma, including like the story of like Selma and what happened on the bridge that are like, that are so like the characters are so rich and like the drama mm -hmm. is so intense and like, and the tragedy of like, people being killed and it, it's it's and the, the like bravery like i think maybe the most interesting aspect of me of it so far for me is like you know i think like 
we all know about like the freedom rides and like the sit-ins mm-hmm. and like, you know, people getting like beat up and killed for like standing up against segregation in the South. Like I think that's, and sometimes the North, like, and I think, so that's, um, we're all like familiar with that. And we've all like seen like little documentaries and stuff about it. But I guess like the biggest takeaway of me so far is like, there's something different about reading the story and like, you know, like the pace at which like a book moves where you're mm-hmm. sort of like, you're more like walking through it, like the decisions, like step by step with these characters huh. and, it's just been like an emotional experience. I've just been like blown away by like, I don't know, being engaged, being able to like engage with like the characters in the story. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they're real people um, in a way that like their like tenacity and their bravery and their dignity is like come through in a way that it never had like watching documentaries or like learning about things in history class or anything like that. So yeah, it's wow. been like a really impactful book for me. And even though it's really long and a little nerdy, um, I think like if people are interested in the subject, I, I can't recommend the book highly enough. Wow, that sounds really cool. What was it called again? It's called uh, Parting the Waters by Taylor Branch. Awesome. Cool. And never apologize for your book recommendation. That's like, I know like some people, for a lot, a lot of people, that's like some of their favorite parts. Like you always want a good book rec. So all right. Well, well you, you always get at least one of those here. <laughs> Perfect. Um, cool, man. I appreciate that. What's, uh, what's last for you? All right. Well, my number three is a doozy. Um, <laughs> and I say that facetiously. Um, uh, to take things in a different direction, it's basically uh, microfiber towels for cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> we got to like smoothen out the transition somehow. <laughs> yeah. But um, man, so, so my house just ordered um, a bunch of these towels and they're really cool. So Basically, microfiber towels versus, you know, just normal towels is that they're like way more dense. You know, they got like 1.6 million fibers or something like that per square inch. That's a lot so of fibers. like that's a lot of fibers. And what they're doing is like while normal towels, like when you kind of like push them across your counter, they're just smearing germs and bacteria all over the place. But these towels actually pick them up and actually trap them in the cloth until you rinse them out. Um, and they've been proven to remove 99% of bacteria, including E. coli and Listeria. And that's all without any cleaning products. Like all you need is water. So you can actually just get rid of, yeah, you can just get rid of like toxic cleaning chemicals. Um, all you need to do is just use water, um, and they work really well. Like they're Wait, so you super just like absorbent. Wash the, so you just wash the dishes with these towels and water, and that's it. Oh no! So these are more like if you want to clean the counter, if you're cleaning the uh, bathroom. Okay. Like um, you can use them for dishes, I guess. I maybe more for drying. Okay. But um, but yeah, they they work super well. They're like really absorbent, so they pick up things like a lot better than paper towels or normal towels. Um, they're reusable and eco-friendly. And you'd use them for like bathroom cleaning too? Like, mm-hmm. You can oh, use them wow. for anything. Okay. Um, and uh, and then one of the cool things about them is some of the brands have silver interwoven into the threads so that they actually will naturally prevent mold, bacteria, and mildew from growing. So they're kind of – they're naturally antibacterial. Um, wow. So, yeah, they're just, they're just kind of like, <laughs> kind of like a stuff. cool little thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that the two most popular brands are E-Cloth and Norwex with Norwex, I think being like the, the creme de la creme and also the most expensive. Um, but, uh, you know, we just found like a, a cheaper brand on Amazon. Um, I think it was just called 10 antibacterial microfiber cloths with silver clear. 
Um, and yeah, we got those for like, I think it was like 27 bucks. Um, and they've been working great. So yeah, if you want to cut down on, on toxic cleaning products and have like some more towels that, that are just more hygienic and are eco-friendly, I say give these a shot. Nice. Cool, man. That's great. I've, I've definitely been trying to like move towards like a little more sustainable things around the house and definitely had my, my eye on our paper towel usage. That's something yeah. that's probably not like so in keeping with, with our values around like waste and, and sustainability. So yeah, man, that's a, that's a good suggestion. I'll be on Amazon later today. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, like I live in a 12 person co-op. Um, so yeah, like using paper towel, like that just goes way too fast. Um, yeah, yeah. And fly through them. yeah. And we use normal towels, but they get really stinky. So, <laughs> so we switched to these and so far, you know, knock on wood, but uh, so far they've been, they've been working great and haven't been stinking, but you know, I'll, I'll give an update in like a month or two oh, along with will. all of our other updates. We will check back <laughs> in. Yeah. Maybe that will be its, its own third spinoff podcast. Another yeah. spinoff Just podcast. On microfiber towels. <laughs> How Man, many really, fibers can you pack into one square inch? We're really diversifying out. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, that brings us to the end of our quick picks and to the end of our show. Uh, but before we leave, let's tell the audience where they can keep up with us online. Gabe, where can the good people find you on the internet? Uh, so I've been trying to upkeep my website a little more, gaberose.com. Um, still on Twitter, at gaberose, although I'm really trying to use Twitter less, man. That's <laughs> It's it's too addicting and not not good for my mental health. So Yeah, it's kind of a time suck. Yeah. That's me. Um, how about you? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at jamin underscore ye. Um, and my blog at jaminyee.com. Um, yeah, I've been writing a lot more. Check out some of my latest posts. Uh, I just wrote a blog post about uh, my favorite uh, podcast of 2017. So oh, I assume it's Guys with Feelings. Or did you do like your second yeah. favorite podcast? No, no, I just listed Guys with Feelings 10 times. So. Okay, that's good. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> everyone should sense. check that out. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it was, it's been fun. Um, and uh, you can find all episodes of Guys With Feelings at guyswithfeelings.co. You can shoot us an email at guyswithfeelingsshow at gmail.com. We promise we'll read everyone and maybe maybe even read some of them, you know, over the air. Um, music for the podcast by Broke for Free. And, you know, if you're feeling generous, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps in getting new viewers. So, um, you know, throw some love at us. It would be awesome. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Great. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. And uh, drive safe. Eat your veggies. We'll see you next month. (laughs) 